Welcome to our In Scripture podcast lair. We're talking about a lot of stuff. I do have a story. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about the whole mask thing, uh, but <laughs> I went to Publix. I think this was maybe a couple of days ago. And uh, so I all I had laying in my truck was like one of my wife's old masks. <laughs> and... Already beats the purpose, but the it was laying in there, and I grabbed it, and I just walk into the store, and I walk into the store, and I'm like, oh, I gotta put it on, because they always have that like lady or or a guy standing there cleaning the carts, and they always have to say something to you if you don't have one. So I'm like, just avoid the confrontation. So I put it on, I walk in, and it was like super itchy the whole time. Like I'm talking my whole nasal area right here, and it's like itchy, smells like my wife's lipstick and I was just walking around. So I got all my stuff and I'm standing at the cash register and there's like three other people in front of me. And I thought to myself, man, this, like if you cough or sneeze, it'd be a really bad time to do it. Even though you're wearing a mask and the itch got so bad that it's like, I'm like, I'm not trying to hold it in. <laughs> Did not work. So I, I sneezed so bad that I sneezed like three times and it was like a rough sneeze. And then a good manly grunt. My, my throat got all, you know, a little bit uncomfortable. So I went <coughs> and all these people would just turn around and looking at me. And I'm like, ah, this is so embarrassing. I thought you liked the attention. And no, no. And it was so bad that the lady, like the belt, the conveyor belt's going with the food. She, she didn't want me to put my food on there. She kind of like put the yellow stick down and like walked eight feet away from me and was kind of like giving me a dirty look and i'm like i'm not sick I thought this it was, mask is making me sneeze i thought it was gonna go in a funny direction because you smelled your wife's lipstick and i thought it was gonna be like inside out so there was like a little dude lipstick because you were things. saying it was like itchy and i was like it was put it all of those things piled up and i'm just standing there and i'm like these masks are so not fair I'm just tired moral of the story don't wear your wife's mask yeah just get your own mask but don't wear like these homemade masks is what I'm saying because the material was just not correct and it was too tight. Like my ears were hurting. I just had a terrible experience and I'm like, maybe I should, I don't know. You should just quarantine yourself and just no exposure to the outside of your world. But after I sneezed, I'm like, it's kind of disgusting because now everything is right there. You know, you're not, you're not, you can't like get rid of it. It's all bundled up in there. And then you're standing there. But good thing is, cool thing was about that whole story was I had my uh, Jesus is not a Sunday thing. And a bunch of people were like, hey, I really like your shirt. I'm like, was that before or after you started coughing? (laughs) I like it, too. (laughs) That was after I was coughing. So at least people want to talk to me. Um, That was pretty embarrassing. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. But uh, last week, uh, I hear it was a. Pretty interesting recording podcast. Yeah, you know, if some of us didn't work during podcasting. Yeah, there's this thing called work. And whenever you're asked, you know, you know, the beauty of IT people, uh, it's, you know, no matter what career choice you have, right, there's pros and cons to to all of them. The uh, big pro to IT people, but I think now it's a lot more widely accepted in other career choices, being able to work from home, right? That is a, yeah. a lot of people envy that it's a lot of people actually do that now you know because of corona and everything all the enforcements of you know social distancing and quarantine and stuff but 
you know, a big positive side of IT people is being able to 100% do your job from home or anywhere in the world as long as you have an internet connection. But a downside to it is maintenance windows, right? <laughs> and Mark Mark knows exactly what I'm talking about, and especially yeah. if they don't go according to plan. Um, like for me personally, you know, for you listeners, you may have, or, you know, probably didn't even notice, but I was very absent from last week's recording. They didn't <clears throat> notice. They don't really listen to you. I know. <laughs> Uh, I was very absent from last week's recording. I was only there for the intro part, and then I had to leave because I had a maintenance window for work. And I thought, I'm like, okay, you know, you know. Speaking of things that go according to plan, it was supposed to start 30 minutes later than it did, but they pushed it 30 minutes earlier, and then it lasted an extra. Th- three four hours that was here <laughs> past that just so. if you guys are wondering we were done with the podcast i already left to work and Serge was still in here sitting on his laptop a few hours <laughs> later i'm like taking pictures with yosha's cat and everything and got that bad True story so yeah beauty about maintenance windows is nobody cares about what your schedule looks like no. they, on- they only care about their schedule and you know how yeah. it's gonna affect them so, so yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to IT world. So that's why I like my job is I'm being hourly. I still have the luxury to say, you got to pay me if you want me here. <laughs> <laughs> there's no such thing as, oh, let me just come in on my time off. And your time off is your time off. Now, um, I do get, you know, emails. Emails is something simple because you're not active. So, you know, you have a free minute, you sit down and you're like, oh, I can respond to this. It ain't a big deal. But there are people that won't even respond to emails. They, they want nothing to do with work when they're at home. Like absolutely zero. The place could be burning down. There could be planes falling out the sky, but they're not at work. They're at home. So they're not even thinking about it. As for me, I'm like, well, I at least like to help out as much as I can. But if I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, going to just drive over there. Sometimes you're, the kindness of your heart can... Uh, <laughs> You know, <laughs> you working in the aviation industry and saying that that's what made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Mostly pilot error. I don't think that's our usual intro to one of our podcasts. Just a little, some of our. <clears throat> On a positive note, scripture, <laughs> Bible, James. Yeah. On that note, actually, I had a, and I'm going to keep names out of this just to, uh, you know, because I don't know if they would like me sharing their name or who it is. I don't think you would care, but. I uh, I had a breakfast with one of our youth members the other the other week, and uh, just why didn't you invite me? Because it was just a one on one thing where we were just you know going over his spirituality. We were talking to each other, just kind of a a mentor kind of thing, and and something popped out to me that I've been thinking about it since, and and I kind of wanted to share it because while I was talking to him, he was sharing you know some of his his progress growing spiritually, his relationship with Christ, how, how far he's come, what he's been going through, um, some, of the, some of the struggles, some of the people along the way who would help him out. And what's interesting, though, is that he brought up that at a certain point in his life, Mark with a K here actually was that person for him and helped him out in, in a very large way. And I don't even think Mark really understands that. That's the thing. He was telling me what Mark was doing for him, Mark and his wife, Allah, and and he was explaining this to me, and I'm just sitting there thinking, like, that's so cool that what Mark and Allah may have planted so many years ago, I was sitting here at breakfast kind of continuing that that seed of growth, you know? Like, I was continuing 
helping water that seed that God has been growing and growing and growing ever since then. And and it's crazy to think that it's it's almost like in such a weird way, we both have had an impact on this person in our own entire way. And it all it all came down to just the fact that just wanted to see someone grow, to, to being a good example to someone around us. And and I just it was just such an awesome experience. It was something that like really blew me away. And and ever since then I've been thinking about it. And I just kinda want to share that because I, I feel like that's such a good such a good example, such a good testimony of of the fact that because you know, good transition. What we talked about a lot last week with Alex is patience and the fact that patience is such a key attribute to have in your faith and and if you want to be faithful if you truly want to be faithful in christ it's going to require a lot of patience because life has so much ups and downs especially for a teenager especially for a teenage boy i will add there is so many ups and downs and the fact that through these years of patience his faith has grown this this gentleman who's who's now a grown-up you know his faith has grown it's so awesome to see that over years that patience pays off and it's so awesome to see that like the fruit of of our hard work or, or just caring and just loving each other paying off and and it's nothing to do with us because i feel like i can i can name countless people who were that person for me in my life and i don't know where i would be right now if it wasn't for those same people who were that that person at that time who inspired me or mentored me or taught me about a lot of the the spiritual attributes that I build myself upon right now. And that's just something that's so awesome. It's so, I was thinking about it last week because we were talking about patience and Mark wasn't here, so I couldn't bring it up. So I wanted to bring it up this week. And uh, Could have just called him. We can get into scripture. Yeah, I I, just, just real, 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 real quick. We had a, I remember we had a Bible study and I brought that up in the beginning um, because I had an encounter, same exact thing. And, you know, I wasn't having breakfast, uh, but uh, we were at, we were at a one or one way at church and I had a conversation with a few people and I kind of got an opening of how people affect um, certain individuals. And you don't think about these things every day because we're not here to, do work and then think about, oh, did I affect you? Like, how was I an influence on you? We don't ask those things. We, you know, we have that trust in God that he's going to, whatever he uses us for, it'll go through, you know, and it'll work whenever he wants it to work. He is the growing of the seed, right? But I had that conversation and, and that's what I brought up. Same thing. I said, all of you guys sitting in this Bible study, and this was all of us couples, each one of you had a some type of influence um, on these certain individuals that I talk to, because if you think about it, we have we have couples that work with youth, we have couples that work with um, Sunday school, we have couples that worked with Sunday school and youth, and um, working with the teens. You know, me and me and uh, Mark, Bob, and all of us. These these kids are growing through right, but they're witnessing each one of us at some point in their life, and if we just take our effort, we just take our love of scripture and, and give it to them. We we don't see it maybe right away, but over time we just see them and we see the when we see those people like a teenager that's already 17, 18, and he's up there and he says his first sermon, it's like what could be feeling greater than seeing a person you helped being there and praising God and worshiping God 
and telling others about God now. There's nothing greater than that. It's just a great feeling. You know, I never experienced that feeling because I think I wasn't at the age yet where, you know, eight or 10 years went by. But now I'm at the point where there is a person that I saw progress from eight or 10 years and now they're out, you know, they're out there and it's just an awesome feeling. But it's a feeling of being thankful to God because God worked with that person. And I think a really important point to make here is that you don't have to be a pastor of a church to make to have an influence on someone. It really doesn't require you. If you guys you, read the parable of the oranges, you'd know. <laughs> it doesn't require you. Huh? What oranges? <laughs> it was a Joshua It's not sermon. a biblical parable, but in my sermon, <laughs> I read a story about oranges, and that was one of the points. There. But we'll move on. <laughs> it's on YouTube. You should look it up. It's like from two months ago or something. Don't waste your time. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I, I just think it's such an it's such a encouraging thought to know that you don't have to be someone of, of some sort of stature or power to to have an influence on someone spiritually in a positive way. It it could honestly come down to just one or two good acts of, of kindness and love and true godliness. And and you don't realize that it has that effect on someone. And sometimes you can go the rest of your life not realizing you had that effect on someone. But the point is though it's it's I feel like that's a attitude we should wake up every day having understanding that every single day we can wake up and one thing that we do right that day could be the difference for someone who encounters us and and to me that's such a I always try to remind myself of that when I go to like church or when I especially when I'm dealing with you know with youth or teens or children I always try to remind myself that this moment right now, as dumb as it may seem, as pointless as it may seem to me, to this child or to this teenager, this could be the moment that they remember, you know, for the rest of their life. For some reason, this could be the moment that sticks. And if it is, I want it to be the good, the right moment. I want it to be a moment that brings them closer to Christ. And that's just something I wanted to share. Sorry, we're already off tangent. Through our study, we move into James and... Um, Can I add a little? Since we went off tangent, might as yeah. well just... yeah. Just some 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 thoughts on uh, what everyone added. Uh, when Mark started sharing, I started thinking about one of these passages that I always think about, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, um, 5 through 7, but I'll just read 7. Um, Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Amen. Um, and I think that's something that, like, sometimes we think when, when you're actively in ministry— you're constantly thinking, you know, I want to exemplify God to these people. And I think what what's awesome about it is when you do share the gospel and when you do share the Bible and the teachings of the word, um, the biggest joy that I remember receiving is when looking into the kids' eyes and faces um, and seeing that they actually want to know. And, like you, you know, that's the hunger. Yeah. yeah that hunger. Um, and for me, and just even thinking now, it's like, you know, when, when I see that people are changed, I I don't necessarily think that it was me who did a part of it. It's all God. It's all glory to God, you know, because the more I grow and live, I realize I'm not perfect. And sometimes I'm afraid. I was like, man, I hope I didn't give them the wrong impression because, you know, we are humans. We do lack in patience. Sometimes I've been realizing and noticing in myself just thinking about this passage that we're reading in James 
Um, do I have patience? Do I have wisdom? Am I lacking in certain regards? And I think all of us can answer yes to that. But that's just something that I wanted to um, throw in. And then, Alex, you can uh, go ahead and... Yeah, last podcast we talked about James. We kind of gave a you know a brief introduction who James was, which James it was. And we began in verse 1. Um, James talked about introducing himself in a way, saying that I am a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we talked about he grew up with Jesus. Jesus was his um, half-brother, or they lived together as brothers, and he didn't portray himself in any way using that title or lifting himself up, as rather saying that he's a servant. And when we talked about the word servant, um, you have to understand the humble intention that is behind that word, right? You're, you're explaining what a servant is. And when you call yourself a servant, that means you have a master. Um, and that's where he brings himself to, to introduce. Then he talks about the letter that it's written to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. And he greets them. Um, he talks about count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials. Um, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So when you try your faith, when you test your faith, you grow in patience. And having patience, you let if you let patience into your life, um, it says that you let patience have her perfect work and that you may be perfect, entire, and wanting nothing. And we kind of circled back and talked about how important it is to have patience. And there's different types of patience uh, one can have. And trials are going to come in every Christian's life, right? Um, when I look at James, I look at, hey, I'm a Christian now. I love Christ. What are important things that I should note, that I should do? How should I act? And I think James writes this amazing letter in these couple of chapters. He puts together this um, kind of awesome letter towards that. And just the opening, just the first four verses already have such a strong message and um, moving into, we could move into verse 5 and 6, but it's important, I think, to kind of circle back to uh, verses 3 and 4 to get the full context. Yeah, I think um, I'll just go ahead and read verse uh, from 2 to 4 for now, or probably even through 5, or should I? Uh, through actually, 8? Yeah, through just 8. Just the whole section we talked about. Yes, uh, it will give us just a little bit of a better context of what we talked about last week to go into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, our plans today is to get through verse 8, so I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, so James writes the following, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. All right, so there's this... Um, for me personally, uh, we uh, I was already talked about this. James writes about you know facing trials, and we talked about what trials were last week, and um, you know the different types of patience and steadfastness and everything. 
But moving on to verse 4, there's this interesting concept that I've never really paid attention to, but you kind of hear it all the time. You know, you know, it's very amazing how God works in mysterious ways. That you ha- You've read the Bible so many times, but until you sit down and actually study it, um, you know, God opens up so much new things to you. And for me, this one thing that I didn't pay much attention to is this concept of being perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing, right? What do you guys think that means? Perfect, complete, it's, I mean, I guess you could say that's a very open-ended question, but it could be a lot of answers. Could it be a feeling <clears throat> when, when you are, um, again, just food for thought, when you are, you know, a child of Christ and you wake up in the morning, you feel, I think you feel complete. Um, you feel like you don't, is there anything else you want but to be his child? You have that kind of uh, internal happiness because Christ is, right, that true joy, true happiness. Um, could could this be a feeling, even though you know there's things that you could additionally want or need, but you, you feel like you're full? You're Ill- I, I guess whole would be a better word. Like you whole. are, as a human, you are whole. Like you, you don't want anything else. You don't desire anything else because the one thing you want and desire, you have Christ. Right. But now you just want more of it, more wisdom. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking along those lines. I think I just wanted to uh, point this out because I know this was a discussion for us beforehand. Uh, so depending on which translation you read, the ending of verse four could be either lacking in nothing or wanting in nothing. Um, and we looked into that and it, uh, what we found came to find out is if specifically, I guess, if you read the King James version, it says wanting and nothing, and there is no contradiction here. If you look up the term wanting in old English, it actually means to, to lack or be absent of something. So, um, the fact that some other translations might read lacking in nothing. There's no contradiction here. The words pretty much mean the same thing. It's just one's old English and one's more modern English. Well, for the most part, if you want something, that means you don't have it or you think that you don't have enough of it. True. Right? So, so anytime you, you want, you will lack. So, Or if you lack, you'd probably want the thing that you lack. True, but I guess, you know... You just don't say lack anymore as a want. You know, the I, I assume the understanding is that if you have Christ in your heart, your wants and needs are going to be different than person that doesn't have Christ in their heart. Is so, that do you think? Do you think this is like spiritual fullness of being one with Christ, or do you think that this is when he says being perfect and complete? Is that talking about physical? I don't. I think we all agree that that's not it, but yeah. just throwing yeah. that out there. It's um, internal for sure. It is internal, but I do there. I, I want to add that there's an aspect that re, uh, reflects on the external as well. Depends on what's on the internal. Of course, everything starts out internally, but I do agree that this is. I, I don't think this is more of the wholeness thing, but I do believe that this is more of a definitely a spiritual type thing. Like for me personally, when I was looking into this, uh, a verse that popped up or. Uh, the idea that popped up for me was Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And it's not only that Matthew writes this, but uh, this concept or this idea is written several times with, throughout Scripture. And Jesus says the following, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And to me, what that speaks is 
we know that we as human beings will never achieve perfection because of our sinful nature until we get into heaven. Um, but that doesn't mean that we should not strive for it here on earth, right? If you read, uh, you know, Leviticus in ch chapter 9, verse 2, there God also tells the Israelite nations, you know, back then to be perfect, to be holy because God is holy. Same thing with Jesus Christ. He only echoes that. And James does the same thing. He echoes that to us today that we need to be holy, right? Being devoted to God because he is holy. He is without sin. There's this um, one thing that really stands out to me nowadays is this very new modern movement called progressive Christianity where they encourage people to not change where Christ loves you the way you are. You know, to some degree, that's true, but that doesn't mean he wants you to stay that way, right? If you read Romans chapter 12, verse 1, you know, one of my favorite passages, Apostle Paul uh, reminds us that, you know, for you to be transformed, to be a uh, holy living sacrifice acceptable to God. To me, that's what, you know, when I read this verse, these ideas come together and, you know, they start making sense of what it means to be perfect, to be complete, lacking in nothing, what do you guys think? Um, I, I'm looking at where this state of being perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, derives from. And so if we, it, it's like a chained reaction almost, because he says, count it all joy. So why should we count it all joy? Um, I think the end goal is being uh, that we will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But then he goes on to say, um, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith or these trials that you go to produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect or as in like to produce also the fruit that you may be perfect to complete. So th this comes not, it's not something that we just decide on our own, um, but it's actually produced through trials. It's produced through steadfastness or patience. Um, and one of the interesting, I was looking at this word steadfastness and um, one of one of the terms is the quality of being resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. Um, so also to be patient, to be firm in what you believe in. Um, and so as the trials go on, we grow in our faith. And as we grow in our faith, that also produces this understanding in us as well as um, a closeness to Christ, which then I think produces this uh, perfectness and completeness. So is this like a... a I don't want to say a lifelong, but is this like a gradual type growth or a state that someone is kind of growing into? Or does this happen like as soon as someone repents and becomes a Christian? From what I read, it, it doesn't seem like it's instantaneous because it's it's a fruit or a byproduct of steadfastness or patience, which is a byproduct of going through various trials. And um, I guess it's a work and it's a work in progress has to be because you have to go through certain steps to um, to fully succeed, I think. Um, because just like we talked about, um, you know, the getting into trials and then knowing that those trials are to test your faith, passing through that, you work patience. And then once that patience enter, enters you, you... And there's different... Like patience could be at different levels for you because patience is something you can build up to as well. You know, you could... Um, I think the more, the longer you're married, you know, when it comes to human form, the longer you're married, the more patience tolerance I think you have, you know, um, there's just certain things you don't react 
differently anymore as as a newlywed you know you could be impatient or doing something patience is just a growing state i think um and same same here sometimes you're not patient the longer you're married or you just become ignorant and learn learn to ignore <laughs> no I, I think like w- we laugh at it but you know some, sometimes you see couples and they fight like all out say mean things to each other and it's like were you guys like this when you were engaged oh no no we weren't but they didn't have the trials oh, i'm sure they had trials but the Different trials. Different topic, guys. What kind of trials? <laughs> we need to go back to Ruth again. Are there different types of trials? <laughs> One of the things you could be lacking, though, is wisdom. And yes. the next couple verses tackle this topic pretty well. So since we already kind of... Cute we read that. Yeah, we read that a while ago. I'm going to reread five through eight. I give you but a wait, six out of but, ten. But <laughs> I, I think the question and what Serge was leading up to is... If you lack in nothing, how can you lack in wisdom? Well, I think we just answered that by the fact that it's a lifelong process. So one of the things you could lack, because it's not about it's not about you being saved and then you reach this ultimate like holiness where you lack nothing. It's a constant striving towards that ultimate goal, which was set perfectly in Christ himself. He was that perfect example of, of what we should be on this earth. And so we're constantly striving towards that. And I think one of the things we lack pretty often is wisdom in our lives. Well, it's interesting, you know, like going whenever we say Mark it's interesting, said, that means we're going back. That means we're going back to verse one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm actually saying on verse five. I was just going to say that the fact that it actually starts off with if any of you lack wisdom. Right. So it's it's kind of. I don't lack wisdom. Uh, yeah? I got it all. That's the first sign of you lacking <laughs> wisdom and saying I don't lack wisdom. Um, I think that's a good point to point out. Um, if that's a good, it's like, it's a big differentiation. And it's like asking almost a question. It, it kind of makes you actually stop. Because it could have said when any of you. or Because when you say, if you said when any of you, that means at some point. Some, but some of you will. Well, the with. question arises is how do you know you have wisdom, right? How do you measure that? What's the standard, right? How, what, what is, is wisdom? You, what do you compare that to? So, like, it's, it's, it's very interesting that James says, if any of you lack wisdom. So, for you to realize, you know, like that you're missing wisdom, is you have to realize the fact that you're, you're lacking in wisdom. And how do you do that? And I think, Mark, you kind of wanted to go into that a little bit now. Well, yeah, but before Mark jumps into that, Mark also wants to say something. Mark. <laughs> Mark, let's see. Um, the reason why I mentioned to the point if, I think it's uh, just to conclude verses two through four, I think we'll see multiple times where uh, James does talk about trials even through this book. Um, I think it's an overall general statement. And then verse five is like, it's not saying like everyone should be perfect, but... If you do lack wisdom, I think it's a given to all of us that we all lack wisdom. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody knows everything. Um, and I think maybe if it's if anyone lacks wisdom in, in certain areas specifically. Um, go ahead, Mark. I was just saying that was like it was a differentiation and that there was a con- there was it was almost like a new topic was beginning here. So I wanted us to maybe. I think Serge was bringing it up a little bit earlier about what is wisdom at all. Like, what, why is that important to humans? 
Why is it so important for us as, as believers to be mindful of how wise we are? What do you guys think? What, what, is, what is the significance of a believer being aware of his level of wisdom, I guess? So I want to, you know, a verse that stands out to me regarding that question. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, uh, sorry, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Um, you know, a lot of you hear me growing up when I was told that only Christians can have wisdom, right? That's uh, that's technically, I grew up thinking that wisdom is a spiritual type aspect because, you know, the argument is the right there. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So if you don't know God, you don't fear God, then you don't have wisdom. You just have knowledge. And there is a, dis a very distinctive difference between what knowledge is and what wisdom is. And the note I made for myself is knowledge is correct understanding of the world or oneself as, um, as creation and uh, as a creation of the magnificent God and loving God. Whereas on the other hand, wisdom is being able to apply that knowledge rightfully for godly living, right? So it's knowing God is one thing, you know, just believing the fact that he's there is one thing, but, you know, believing that Christ is your savior, that he died for you, that he resurrected and applying that to your life and using that in your life, that is a whole, that's wisdom right there. That is a whole different, um, I guess, thing in virtue or characteristic in general. What do you guys think? Can I bring it down to a fourth grade level of what wisdom and knowledge is? Sure. <laughs> so I heard a cool example, um, made me giggle and probably some other dads. Um, <laughs> Dad jokes. Here we go. <laughs> knowledge is knowing how to pick your nose. Wisdom is knowing when and where to do it. So bringing it down to that level. You Mark, Mark is thinking about this seriously. <laughs> no, this Mark, is, Mark is making sure we don't throw the, view, no, the listeners I was in just the thinking. wrong direction. I was just, uh, yeah. Mark's thinking if he's wise about his choices right now or not. Are um, we making proper theological connections here? And then, you know, and then there's a, there's another easy one. It's like uh, knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are fruits, but wisdom is not putting them into a fruit salad because now you know what it is. So if you just bring it down to like a definition, obviously, um, knowledge is something like facts, information, and skills that a person acquires um, through different things. It could be through experience or education. That's called knowledge. But wisdom is a little different because it's kind of like um, the quality of having the experience or knowledge and good judgment. It's something that you put forth in action through life, through doing things. Um, the, I think Where does one attain wisdom? Fearing God. According yeah. to that definition. That was... By picking your nose. <laughs> no. Um, I was just thinking... Sorry, did I cut you off, Alex? No, 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 it's all good. Uh, we're going all over the place. This is, uh, this is why James is... We're, this is our third time recording. Uh, everyone only thinks it's our second, but it's our third time. I don't know if that was mentioned before. So we have a lot of wisdom when it comes to James already. <laughs> or um, So James, and I think New Testament in general, it's not narrative, kind of like what we've been discussing before. Um, so we have to do a lot of cross-references to other passages in the Bible. Um, and 
the reason why I say that and bring this up. And I think we're going to constantly keep bringing up different passages like Serge did with Proverbs, um, 1 Corinthians one twenty. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And so, and even uh, verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. So talking about there's the wisdom of the world, um, which, you know, you can gain kind of like you mentioned, Alex, and then there's also the wisdom of God, which comes from God. Right. And so it's not like, you know, if any of you lacks wisdom, go live a little um, and you'll learn, right? Um, usually, even if you think about it from like old times and old stories where if somebody did, did seek wisdom, they would go to someone that was wise because but, they, if they lacked, they would, they would seek to, and I guess one differentiation, if you talk about the way that Alex mentioned wisdom, it's not the knowledge of how to do something, but like necessarily, um, when and the application yeah, yeah. Properly sorry applying it. yeah that's properly right. proper application that's right yeah and so why is this verse here right why does james tell us like if you lack wisdom go ask god for it because he gives it generously without reproach right why why do we sh- why should we seek more wisdom right because like we've been talking about it's one thing to know certain aspects of this life it's it's one thing to know how to live a better life. It's another thing to actually make it, it applicable to your life. It's another thing to live that kind of lifestyle. Because there's things that are always going to go against you when, yeah. you, when the, you obtain that. That's a good thing you point because that's exactly where I want to go is, is you know, I don't want to be the mark with the K here, but if you go back to verse two. <laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> no. You have to say, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting that in verse two, he says, kind of all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials. Right, if you, when you meet trials of various kinds, and I think that's why we need wisdom is to know how to act, like to want to be able to distinguish that this is in fact a trial that I am being tested right now, right? Or you know, even if you face a temptation, you need to realize that this is a temptation from the devil, and I should you know escape this or fight this with scripture. And I think that's why where the wisdom really comes in is knowing how to use scripture to get you through various kinds of trials, to know how to use scripture to get you through various kinds of temptations. Here's one strong example, and I read this earlier. Um, First Kings, everybody knows the story when Solomon was, um, when God came to him by a dream, and he asked him, he asked him one simple question. Um, Ask what, and I shall give thee. Ask anything. What do you want? And this is a strong story because it covers all the bases of what knowledge, wisdom, and the request, proper request from God is towards that. And the reason I say that is because so many times we've heard, and it's true, Solomon could have asked for anything, right? He could have asked anything, God, because that's exactly what God tells him. He puts him and says, ask what and I shall give. Um, And the only thing that he asks in verse 9, if you ever read uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, he he says, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this, thy great people. And if you kind of look ahead of that or, or behind, go back a little bit and it's that conversation between him and God. And that's what he asked for. Why is that important? And what point I'm trying to make here is he understood what God put him to do. He understood that he was going to be a judge and a leader between these people. He understood it. That's 
That's what he was asking the wisdom for. It wasn't if we if we go and say, I just want to be wise. I want to have wisdom to be smarter than most people or to be better at my job or to be smarter than this guy because I don't like it. Is that a correct wisdom to ask for? Because it says, right, that God gives to just all it. men liberally or, 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 or gives so much of it. It is so much of it is there. We just have to ask for it. But we got to approach it correct, right? We got to approach it. Why are we asking for wisdom? And Solomon knew exactly why he was asking, and that is why God gave him that, but gave him more. So than he that. didn't have wisdom. He was lacking, and he knew that he was lacking. Correct. Yeah. Circling back. And, I, and I'm glad Strong you mentioned example. that word, being able to discern what's right and wrong. Because that's I, I didn't write that word from my notes, but I definitely should have because... Um, you know, if, if we one were to ask the question, why is all this important about this, all this wisdom? Um, like you said, being able to discern right or wrong, you know, the question of morals starts to pop up. What is, what is right and wrong? Who sets the standard for that? How do we measure that? And, you know, for us as believers, we know that our standard of morals is God. Our standard of morals is, you know, the word of God that we read through scripture. That's why it's important. And unlike, you know, some of the other uh, like I already mentioned, like progressive for Christianity for some. Uh, I don't like the example. word progressive. Like it or not, it's there. <laughs> I don't like progressive um, anything. But, you know, what they believe is Geico. that, it, you know, they believe that scripture wasn't, is, is not inerrant and that it's, it was only applicable back then. And it's not as applicable to us today in terms of literal meaning. You know, and pretty much what they're saying is that it changes with culture and all that, which is wrong. We know that scripture doesn't change. You know, we know that God is internal. If you read places like uh, Malachi 3.6 and James 1.17, which we'll read in a few weeks probably, uh, it says that God is eternal. He doesn't change. He was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Sin was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What it was 6,000 years ago, you know, when Adam and Eve were on earth, it's the same sins today. Nothing has changed, you know, besides our culture, our viewpoints. But sin is still sin. And I think that's why it's important for us to be able to ask God for wisdom so that we know how to really discern what is right and wrong. Okay, so you guys all just made a very good case of why it's so important for us to have wisdom. So and what do we ask do? for it. So what do you we ask for? Well, Verse six. The question is, who's we? We, the, 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 the three of us. And the question is, who, 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 is, any, <laughs> any, who is any of you? <laughs> and verse five. So uh, if any of you, is that referring to anybody in general? You, or If I understand your question correctly, if we go back to verse <laughs> five, we're still in verse five. We haven't moved. It's interesting. Verse one to the 12 tribes in dispersion. When you guys mentioned that it means pretty much for already saved, believing people in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I think this, what James is writing here is for people that already have uh, an establishment with God. Is that where you're going here? Okay. Yeah. Would you agree that in James, there's not much to bring a person to God? This is a person that's with God already. Yeah, I this think is not an evangelizing type of book. It's not. I don't think. I know. You know. You can. I'm sure there's ways to maybe use that, but that's not what we're here for today. All right. Just to recap a little bit of verse five and how, how we got to where we are right now. If any of you lacks wisdom, so I think one thing that we mentioned um, was that there has to be a understanding that you lack it, right? Because it's not just um, you have to understand, and then it, there's a direction, right? It says, "Let him ask God." So we have to approach God and ask him. 
And then the verse continues, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Isn't it amazing? Like we've already talked about it, that wisdom comes from God. And that's why I think this isn't the worldly wisdom that we were talking about from verse, uh, 1 Corinthians or the example that Alex uh, read for the actual dictionary uh, definition of wisdom. But this is a godly wisdom. And it's, that's something that if we lack in a certain port, portion, we should ask God who gives generously. I find that awesome that it talks about God, who he, who he is and how he generously gives without reproach. And it's almost like there's a hook. You can't just ask. Because in verse 6, he continues by going, James continues by saying, but let him ask in faith and with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So it's not just, it's there, like Mark is saying, it's there. It's there for the taking. It's open. It, it, he's, God is willing to give it as much as you need. But you have to ask in faith. And there can't be any doubting involved. My question to you guys, does this seem like a chicken and the egg kind of situation, right? Like it almost seems like to have godly wisdom, you have to have faith, but to have like true unwavering faith, shouldn't there be some wisdom? Do you get what, what I'm saying? Do you get why I'm, I might be kind of a little bit confused? Good point. Um, I think faith and wisdom are separate. Faith is to believe. Uh, I think given the understanding and knowledge of something is to believe in it. It's not necessarily to act upon it, but then I might be proven wrong later on in James. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be like three months down the road when we finish chapter Every, one. Everyone will forget it. <laughs> I think can, can a sinner that's not with God ask for wisdom? Can a sinner that's not from God ask in faith? And and going to that that too, I, I think of have you ever heard like a prayer um of gambling? Meaning you come to a, a but, point in your life where you have nowhere else to turn. You've probably met a person like that. You know, you know their lifestyle, um, you know their faith. They're they're not with God. They're not a godly person. They don't love Christ. But they hit this trial in their life and they're like, well, I have nothing else to do, but I'm going to pray and ask God. Um, why I call that a gambling prayer, because you're kind of like um, at a point where you're like, well, I already used up all the things I could do. I can't think of anything else. So I'm just going to go to God and we'll see if God helps me or not. Um, I've met a per I've met people like that, um, that kind of have that. The reason I bring that up is because you're, you must be lacking in something if you're just going to God as a last resource. Does that make sense? But do you feel like in that situation that that person is asking for wisdom necessarily? I feel like the thing that they would be asking God in that moment is, I don't know, clarity or some sort of direction in their life. which Or just help. Or just help in general, yes. Yeah, some, some sort of purpose, some sort of meaning, just asking God to just show himself in some way. You know, I don't, I don't know if wisdom is the right word I would use. I guess, I guess it is wisdom because if that decision, if that light, if that thing that God shows them because of that prayer ends up bringing them to him, then I guess that is a, a wise choice on their behalf. But I don't think, I don't think that correlates with this verse because again, if, you know, if we've already established in verse one, this is written towards believers. This is written towards people who have already 
establish that faith. And Mark made a great point, or maybe it was Serge, about how this is kind of going off the, the heels of verse two, where it talks about the, the trials that we go through. And if we go through these trials, this is one of the things we can do, which is ask for wisdom. Yeah, I feel like what, what you're saying, I want to say that that's not an earnest prayer because, you know, for one, he, he leaves God as a last resort just because he has nothing else. A true Christian, you know, usually they'll, they'll either one, they'll pray, you know, and ask God for, for help as the first option, if not second option, right? Because, you know, we all do that sometimes ourselves. We, you know, if we have some kind of issue at work, we, we try to figure it out. If it doesn't work, we'll pray before going to other sources. So, you know, some of us maybe will pray first and then try to figure it out. But it seems like the example you're bringing it up, like this idea of a gamble prayer, uh, is specifically if it's a non-believer, it seems like that specific example tells me that that person is, is trying to use God as a last resort just for the sake of help. Not as like a helpline. As a helpline, emergency helpline, not for the sake of actually using that moment to actually you know, give himself to Christ. Right? Sometimes God drives people into a point um, to where they seek out him for salvation, right? That's where, different. Salvation. That's, that's different. different. So we're yes. talking about two yeah, different I'm talking yes. about. I'm talking about, you just know. Just a regular life. Well, I, I, think, I think this verse itself and the following verse answer exactly yeah. that question because just where Mark was going with this earlier. But so there's like clause there, right? And there's two conditional statements that um, or requirements that uh, are required for this to come to pass. Let him ask in faith, the first one, and I believe the second one is with no doubting. Um, so then he, he, he places two conditions, um, and then he goes on to say, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. It's interesting, like I was thinking about James, and he's similar in Christ where we've seen, uh, we'll see multiple times, we'll, he'll bring up like certain analogies um, in order to prove a point, almost like uh, Proverbs or how do we say them? Is that Proverbs? I'm thinking Parichi in Russian, but... Uh, Proverbs. Yeah, it's Proverbs. Proverbs. Okay. No, or, or parables. Parables. Guess, yeah, this, is parables. The, this is yes. the word I have. I have <laughs> Same Bible word. words. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking it's, uh, there's two of them, right? Let him ask in faith. So one must have faith. Mm-hmm. Um, who has faith? A believer, right? It's not just anybody. And we've already uh, concluded on that fact uh, in verse five. But then he goes on to with no doubting. And then so the example he brings up is about one who's doubting. So I don't think he brings up an example of one who's lacking faith because it's an obvious given in this situation where he doesn't have to go and explain himself. But here he goes on to explain not only does one have to have initial faith, he must be one that has a continuous or persevering faith without doubting. So do you think there are moments where we have faith and doubt? I think it depends on the person. Because well, just in general, I'm not even talking about wisdom, but like just in general, as a believer, do you think there's a moment where you have faith in, in Christ and you know who he is and you have accepted him as your believer? But at the same time, do you think there's doubt? Do you think that's a possibility? Depending on what you're doubting. If you're doubting in your salvation, I think that is a possibility. That's why there's a lot of verses. I think it is possible definitely for, for us to doubt. Um, a good example um, I was listening actually to a sermon uh, this Sunday about Hebrews 11, um, and he brought up uh, Abraham and Sarah and how they were accredited uh, their faith and their belief in God. Um, he went he went on to talk about how um, Sarah was uh, doubted God, and he 
a point that he mentioned that I didn't necessarily agree on. He said a, a, a step or like a, in our, uh, when we believe and in our faith, a step in that is to question or as in to doubt because Sarah doubted. But I was reading in Hebrews, nowhere does it mention her doubting. She's only accredited her faith to believing because yes, she may have doubted. She may have laughed internally, but she still believed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's a natural part for us to have um, some doubt. But here I think uh, it may be a different thing because, A, you're already believing in God. Um, and the reason why I say that, I don't know if I, I want to read verse 7, and if we want, we, want, we can go back. Um, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So that kind of describes a person who is doubting. Um, and so the question is then, if we read that kind of, if that's the kind of person that doubts specifically, eh, my question, sorry, I keep going back and forth, is, is this specifically referencing wisdom? Or is it a general term of any lack of spiritual fruit? Or is it just any lack of that's why I brought up the whole question about doubting, you know, your faith, mm-hmm. because that's what I, I was kind of having the same thoughts. Like, is this just pertaining to wisdom or is it, could this just be used generally when it comes to faith and doubt? Can I say something confusing and then try to explain it? All right. We have two questions this that are already confusing this, this and is Alex a, is going to add another one. This is along this topic. <laughs> the only thing that sticks in my head is will of God. And that's your question to why, if you are your answer to why, if you have the answer to why you're asking a certain thing, like wisdom, um, why you need the faith and why you don't need to waver. Um, if you have the answer to why, to those questions, I think you will be sufficient in your prayer. Um, the reason I'm saying this, right, uh, plenty of times this happened, kids camp, we wanna play um, an awesome game where we go around to different stations and we evangelize to the kids in some way from scripture. Well, this, we know that there's a terrible rainstorm coming. So now I'm praying, right? I'm praying, praying for God to keep the rain out. I know why I'm praying because we want to have a game to evangelize to the children. That's why we're praying for the rain. So we have that covered. Now, if we have that answered, if we have that in our back of our mind, for us to have the wisdom and faith and not waver from our prayer we can easily do that because we have a mindset of why we're asking this. Does that make sense to you guys? You need to have, you need to have your reasoning um, in order to help yourself have no lack, or, or not no lack, but not waver or not have the doubt. Um, doubt is the word for wavering, right? Yes. Yeah, doubt's yeah. a little easier to understand. So to block out doubt and have more faith, you need to understand why you're praying for something. And if it's God's will, um, it's a lot easier for you to go through that. I think one of the points that I got from the example in uh, Hebrews, let me read it real quickly. Um, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. It wasn't in the reason that she was believing in. It was she had her faith and belief in God and in who he was. Um, so it's not necessarily in the process of, but it was in God himself in which she, whom she had faith because 
he is immutable and unchangeable, right? Because we we can trust him and we can uh, trust that he is faithful, even though we ourselves may be faithless. So if we ask God for wisdom, we know that he gives generously to those who ask. So knowing that, having an understanding of that, we should not doubt to receive faith from him. So going back to my question, is it faith? Or sorry, is it faith? What was the question? Wisdom. Is it wisdom or is it spiritual fruit? I think this could be applied to just general faith um, because I think it is very... I think it is just like the example you brought up about Sarah. Like that wasn't a a matter of wisdom necessarily. That was just a matter of faith. Did she have faith in the Lord? Yes or no. And and so I think in that context, I think this, I think these couple verses could be taken just as a statement of your faith and, and kind of helping us as believers to, to re-examine our personal faith. And do we have that faith? Because if not, like it says, this, this, image that is given to us is this boat or a wave that the sea is driven and tossed by the wind. And you're just kind of in this place of chaos if you don't have that faith. So I think it is applicable. I think that kind of ties in with what Alex was saying though, about the why behind what you're asking for. And, and if you truly have that wisdom, if you truly have that faith in the Lord, then the things you're going to be asking for aren't going to be things that aren't doable by God. And it's not going to be things he's not going to want to do for you in this case wisdom if if your point for having that wisdom is because hey i want to do a better job as a leader in my family i think that's the kind of wisdom that god is ready to generously give but again it comes down to this you know it's easy to say that when we're sitting right here it's easy to say that when we're comfortable in our lives you know if if anybody's listening who's going through a horrible moment in their life where they need that wisdom that's a lot harder to say that it's a lot harder to be like hey just have faith. Don't doubt. Because in the moment, it's so much easier to doubt. And I think that's why it does correlate more than I even personally was thinking about how it relates to the first couple of verses that we talked about. Verse two, three, four about patience. That's why I think it is so important to have that patience. I think, I think James knew what he was doing when he was writing this book. And he knew that for you to have that patience... For you to have that faith to know that God can answer my questions. God can give me the wisdom to know how to live my life, to apply that wisdom in my life in a way that can glorify him, but it doesn't happen overnight. So it requires patience. So he starts off this chapter talking about the patience that's going to be required. The fact that a byproduct of our faith is patience. And then he continues to say, if you ask God for that wisdom, he's ready to give it, but you need to be ready not to doubt at all. And I think a portion of that doubt comes in the length of time that might be required for you to see the fruition of your prayers to God, because it might not happen overnight. God may have granted you the wisdom the moment you finished your prayer, but you might not know that until years down the line. You might not know that he gave you the wisdom to make the right decision, because sometimes we don't see the the repercussions of our decisions at the moment. And so it requires that patience to be able to wait it out and understand that my faith isn't just while I'm praying. It's not just when I get on my knees and I pray to God in faith for wisdom. It is required when I get up from that prayer. It require, it's required as I go through that situation further on in my life, I have to continue to have that wisdom and that faith in him that he's going to continue to provide that wisdom. And I'm going to be able to get that through the patience. It's just, I don't know, it's all very connected right now. 
I want to add on, <clears throat> or maybe start moving a little bit further towards verse 8 a little bit, which does tie into the whole doubting thing. So verse S said, uh, so just verse 7 and 8, just to tie them together. For that a person must not suppose that he will be receiving anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded, unstable in all his, double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is a person that scripture says is one that doubts when he asks God for, for anything. Uh, a verse that stood out to me the most about, you know, trying to understand what does it mean to be a double-minded man when a person is doubting. If you uh, read just a few pages forward in James 4.4, 4, he says the following, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And though, you know, this does not directly talk about wisdom per se, but I think it does make a very good point about where our heart is, right? We established the fact earlier that, you know, this is really a very much an internal battle that our spirit is uh, having or a, a believing spirit person with a, is having about wisdom. And we know that the world has its own wisdom to offer. A lot of times that wisdom does not align with what scripture says is wisdom, right? We know that it starts with God. A lot of times in the world, they might have somewhat good morals, good virtues, but at the end of the day, uh, the wisdom that the world offers does not align or does not glorify God. Like Mark already says, it's going to glorify God or not. The problem that, you know, many of us might be having nowadays, not just, you know, young adults or teens, but, you know, adult adults in their very mature ages face this problem every single time is being able to let go of what they like in this world, right? Because we know that the world offers this things like, oh, okay, this seems wise. It seems legit, makes sense. But what does the scripture says? Okay, the scripture says it does not actually make sense. It will not bring glory to God. It's actually a sin. So if I choose scripture, I'm going to lose my friends. If I choose friends, then, you know, I'm going to make myself look like a, a two-faced person in front of my Christian buddies in front of church. And this this constant battle, you know, of opinions of people, you following people's opinions versus what God says. And you and you kind of feel like you're being torn apart you're you're starting to kind of doubt what is true what is what should i be doing should i be following my friends should i be following the world should i be following the church because it's my family is and you're constantly being kind of like this middle of this tug of war between these two entities the world and god and as we just read what scripture says if anyone makes friends with the world the love of the father is not in him and so you can't I guess you could say you can't really consider yourself to be a truly wise Christian if you still have friendships with the world. And if you do, it's obviously going to start to make your ways unstable. It's going to start to pour in that doubt, like you already said. It's going to start pouring, you know, maybe for a specific thing that God's trying to do in your life, maybe as far as even salvation, uh, you know, whether or not how, how faithful are you in God that he's able to actually provide you eternal salvation to that kind of degree. Um, just a little bit in terms of the unstable, double-minded man. What do you guys think? I think the double-minded, unstable man, I have a good example of that. Um, at first, when I was thinking of verse 6, when it's talking about a wave, uh, for the one who doubts, is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And I was thinking, okay, well, what's a wave like? And I started going on along these whole paths about you know trying to look at ocean currents mm -hmm. and how waves, where do they come from, where do they go? And then it's like verse seven, just pretty, or verse eight, pretty much explains it. Unstable in all his ways, 
And um, I thought that I was like, man, I should have just looked at the full thing in context and I wouldn't have to spend so much time, but it was, it was good stuff to look into. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is somebody who's unstable in all their ways or a person that's double-minded isn't necessarily somebody that's to be trusted, nor is it somebody who is respected. The reason why I say that is recent, you know, politics, the current, uh, leading VP, uh, when, uh, Kamala Harris, when she was, uh, first debating when she was trying to be the president, she was debating her, the current, uh, leading president in the election, uh, Joe Biden. She was saying a whole bunch of uh, negative things about him. And then there was an interview after the fact when she was actually elected. They're like, well, you were saying a, bu- a whole bunch of other things. Do you now support him? She was like, ha, 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 that was just a debate. It was just a debate. So it's like you'll, you'll say one thing when you want one thing, but then you say a completely opposite, different thing, and you, you flip-flop on a subject back and forth. You're in unstable. Order, in, mm-hmm. Unstable in order to please other people. So the question is, who are you? Like, where do you stand and that goes back to, I think, the first few verses, right? Being patient or steadfast. To be steadfast is to be steady, to be stable, to be believing in your faith. So when you undergo trials, you become firm in your belief. You become firm in your ways because as a result of those trials, you get hardened in Christ. And so here you actually earn this um, stability and you you no longer have the stable minded because you start i think your faith also grows and you start believing without doubt i think to wrap things up we we talked about a little bit earlier in this in this chapter in this episode and i think something we're all kind of coming to agreement in is the importance of faith in our life and and how important it is for us to have unwavering faith in our lord and, and something we talked about a little bit earlier is the fact that faith is something that isn't a one-time thing. You don't just wake up with it. You don't just say a couple, a couple words and you're just perfect for the rest of your life. It's a, it's a continual work. It's, it's an effort. It's something that every single day you should wake up and strive to grow in your faith. Strive to solidify your faith, to become more concrete in your faith, to examine your faith on a daily basis. and and only in that way can we truly grow in it and can we truly grow closer to Christ who is the the foundation of our faith he he's the thing we have faith in and i think that's something that as we conclude in prayer we can all keep that in our prayers that god can give us that strength in our prayers and our faith in our day-to-day walks with him that when these decisions come when the choices are, are presented to us when the moment comes where we need wisdom the most we can have the faith to ask him and we know that as a gracious and, and merciful god he's willing to give us all the wisdom that we need exactly because of who he is because he is faithful we can rely on him the the one like you think about it right the one thing that is truly steady when you read in the psalms it calls uh god the psalmist calls god my rock and my fortress same thing here. We know he's so steady. We know he's immovable. Um, he is our rock. And therefore, because we know that, we can believe and have faith in him without doubt that he will give us wisdom when we ask of it. He will give us uh, faith and things regarding to faith. Amen. Alex, Amen. would you like to conclude in prayer? Thank you, Lord, for 
these amazing few verses that we read. There's so much information uh, and there's so much things to think about and reference, Lord, in just one verse. And we thank you for giving us all these notes and giving us the scripture that we're able to compare things and get the idea out there, Lord. Let us not ever find ourselves to be in the middle ground between unbelief, let us in faith, let us always be towards faith. Let us have and understand uh, the will of 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 you and what you want in our life and use that towards asking for what we need to ask and when it comes to wisdom lord let us apply it properly in our life and let us gain the knowledge that you provide lord let us only focus on what you want to give us and not focus on other things so that we may um be complete and you see all that we lack oftentimes lord whether it's that wisdom that faith lord but we always call you to be with us and uh, help us through, help us through our trials and through our path. And thank you for giving us these wonderful scripture from James, Lord, and let us, let it be in our hearts and let us grow in our hearts and let us continue on further. We thank you for all the love and kindness that you give us and that you sent your only begotten son to die for each one of us. Lord, thank you for all that you did. In your name we praise the Amen. Amen. Amen.